Washington Post op-ed asserted that too much religion is bad for a country, and they looked at indicators like uh, gross domestic product, poverty rates, education, life expectancy, and the author of the piece pointed to uh, more secular countries such as uh, Japan or some of the Scandinavian countries. My guest, Casey Chalk, is a regular contributor at the American Conservative and the New Oxford Review. He's responded uh, to this uh, commentary. He uh, received his bachelor's in history and a master's in teaching from the University of Virginia. And Casey, it's good to have you here. Thanks. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Let's talk about the claim first. Would America be better off without religion? How common is this claim? Are you hearing it very often? I think that it is increasingly common, um, especially as uh, prominent op-ed writers like Max Boot, who's you know well-respected and a syndicated columnist across the country, are looking at you know countries in Western Europe, Japan, uh, elsewhere in the world, who do have certain indicators that would suggest that there's a correlation between a religiosity and uh, you know, improved uh, status of life. Mm-hmm. And how are they, I guess the question would be, what counts for better off? What are the most telling criteria? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it all depends on what you look at, right? So, for example, Boot looks at average GDP per capita, unemployment rates, poverty rates, homicide rates, life expectancy, uh, things like that. And, yeah, at a, at a surface level, more secular societies uh, do look better than um, than those that are more religious, whether you're talking Christian, Islam, uh, whatever. Um, but that's incomplete. Um, and uh, it's incomplete because um, <laughs> the, well, the, the biggest issue with these secular societies are, is the catastrophically low birth rates that they all have. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, this is um, this is going. This is already showing. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's coming home to roost. Unfortunately, in in, uh, in Western Europe and, and in Japan. Um, because if you have a low birth rate, then you're going to have to import uh, labor to yep. basically make up the difference. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, then you're bringing in people from another culture, um, have different values than you, than, than your culture, and there's going to create a lot of tension there, mm-hmm. right? So, And that's exactly what we're seeing in places like the United Kingdom, France, Sweden, where there's rising violence and radicalism. Um, and they're converting some of the some people within the native population as well. Yeah. Russ Douthat, in his book, The Decadent Society, lists four criteria for decadence when, I, when you know that a culture or society has become decadent. And one of the criteria is sterility, um, the, the inability uh, to re- renew yourself as a people. You cannot repopulate uh, yourself. And this is... Um, this is true of many nations in, in Europe. Japan is having terrific trouble with it now. The United States has fallen uh, below replacement level two recently. So, you know, the question, you have to ask the question, how well off are nations, right, uh, that don't reproduce themselves? And, and uh, that, that's a, yeah, go ahead. I, I was going to say that's exactly right. Um, and it's, it goes to another problem that, you know, there's, there's, the, there's the physical sterility, but there's also a social and spiritual sterility, too, right? Yeah. Because across these developed nations, there's unprecedented levels of social isolation, depression, loneliness. Um, some of the highest suicide rates in the world are in these same countries that Max Boot you know, presents as uh, models for the United States to follow. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so I guess the the, the question uh, comes back to who gets to call the uh, the most of, most telling criteria, and I think that the ability to reproduce oneself or reproduce one's society has to be among the most telling criteria. Uh, what are some of the other criteria that you see emerging? from more religious societies, like the United States, which is generally seen as perhaps the, the most religious society in among modern nations, non-Islamic nations, uh, what are some of the other benefits that accrue to religious societies? Sure. So there's actually a huge amount of uh, research that's been done um, for decades on all of the uh, benefits of, you know, people who who are more religious, families that are more religious, so, for example, studies that were done at the Mayo Clinic know that there's better health outcomes, greater mm-hmm. longevity, better coping skills, less anxiety, less depression, or suicide. University of Virginia sociologist W. Bradford Wilcox, yep. Wilcox, who's a he's a you know fantastic Catholic and is uh, you know widely published mm-hmm. and well regarded uh, in academia. He notes that religion is a clear force for good when it comes to family unity and the welfare of children. Yep, and talks about the likelihood that people who are raised, uh, children who are raised in religious families, um, they, there's stronger family cohesion. And then the children that are raised in those families then are able to more effectively contribute to, uh, to, to their society. Hmm. It, makes, it makes you wonder why uh, these kind of evidences are glossed over by people like Max Boot. Uh, you kind of wonder, where are they locate, Where are they socially located? that they miss this kind of counter-evidence? Are they blinded to it by, you know, philosophical presuppositions? Are they blinded to it because their own family life itself is difficult, and they, they're insensitive to what it takes to make for a thriving family? I'm, do you have any idea on how they are blinded to these evidences? I think... I think that the philosophical presuppositions that you mentioned, I think, is critical here. Utilitarianism mm-hmm. is uh, in the in the air that we breathe in the West and certainly in the United States. And so we look for utilitarian criteria, you know, like life expectancy um, or one's uh, socioeconomic status uh, as the key markers rather than Longer, um, it, the kinds of criteria that take longer to, to identify, right? Like family stability uh, across generations. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that, that's something that does, you, you need to see how that works out uh, over time. Do you think this discussion uh, is going to reach a higher level of debate? I mean, I, I think these columns, like by, by Boot, haven't yet generated a whole lot of concern. Do you expect that the thinkers of his kind are on the rise, or are they, you know, lone voices that are going to be, you know, they'll be with us forever, but they won't end up having much influence? Uh, Unfortunately, I think um, it's going to be the former. I think there's a lot of writing that has discussed the rise of the nuns, those who don't have any religious affiliation. Amongst millennials, religious observance, church attendance, is dangerously low, mm-hmm. and that doesn't bode well for the future of Christianity or just religion in general in the United States. Yeah. And un- unfortunately, you know, campuses, college campuses, are becoming much more uh, secular and anti-religion in terms of the the kinds of uh, 
material and content that students are exposed to. That was certainly the case at the University of Virginia for me almost 20 years ago. Um, so, yeah, I think there is significant reason to be concerned. Do you, uh, in what way would the, somebody who thinks along the lines of Max Boot, and there are others like him, what do they do with suffering? How, how, do, how do secular societies deal with suffering? Um, well, I, I think sadly we see the, some of the ways that they deal with suffering. They just they they don't view suffering as something that's redemptive that can be used actually uh, for good for the good of the individual person, but also for society. They want to um, quench suffering in, in all its forms. I, euthanasia, I think, is a perfect example of that. Right. So if we we, we make a utilitarian um, calculus about how much. Uh, pleasure a person is experiencing in their life, and if it goes below a certain uh, subjective level, then that person can decide that they don't want to live anymore, right? Mm. Yeah, I mean, it, and uh, in uh, Belgium uh, right now, uh, you're able to declare uh, that uh, even if you are suffering from a non-terminal mental illness, uh, depression, uh, you can ask for assistance to off yourself um you would think that they'd be going they'd be going out of the way to try to find remedies for this depressed person but i guess for them eliminating you eliminate suffering by eliminating the sufferer so um yeah and it's, i i find that frankly terrifying because yeah. I've, I've read articles too that talk about how a lot of these medical practitioners in countries where euthanasia is more common you know, they'll press it upon people. If they start to see signs of depression, then they'll present it as an option. <laughs> I mean, if you're struggling with depression, then it's very likely you're thinking about suicide yeah. rather than, you know, maybe we need to think about, you know, the, uh, reorienting your life towards more transcendent purposes. Maybe we need to think about what else is going on in your life that's causing depression. That, you know, that euthanasia is even on the table. Um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's dangerous. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I agree. Well, thank you so much. Good talking with you. Good making your acquaintance. I hope uh, you'll continue to write, and uh, we'll look forward to talking in the future. My pleasure. I very much look forward to it. Casey Chalk is a student at the Notre Dame Graduate School of Theology at Christendom College. Uh, you can find his work at American Conservative and New Oxford Review. This... This is interesting to me, because I honestly, as you know, I believe that Jesus brings abundant life. That it's not an, that, that this is, and that this is empirically testable in some way. That those who are in Christ Jesus are not just waiting for heaven, but they are participating, even now, in some measure, in eternal life. The life of the age to come interpenetrates this world. As I've said many times, and others have too, Jesus came, he inaugurated his kingdom, and now we are living in that era between the already and the not yet. Already the kingdom has come, and we pray that his kingdom uh, will be here on earth as it is in heaven, and we look forward to doing his will so we can get a glimpse of that kingdom. But we also know that it will not be fulfilled until he comes again in and, and they, that's personal, by the way. Not just some movement will come, but Jesus himself will come at the close of history and bring the kingdom into its fullness. So it's not something I'm waiting for. It's something that I want to experience now. 
and I think this is the all those who are baptized into Christ Jesus and have exercised faith in him are children of God. And our Father wants us to have abundant and full lives. Uh, those lives are received by becoming conformed to Christ, by making his mission our mission, by doing, imitating him, uh, by serving others, and that that should, that should in fact release into our lives tons of gratitude, uh, thanksgiving, willingness to serve others, and of course, harmony uh, between human beings. Now, we all know we, we don't do any of this perfectly, but we have every reason to expect that a Christian way of life, and in particular a Catholic way of life, will lead to uh, flourishing, human flourishing, will be more of what we were intended to be as a result of being in Christ Jesus. And the opposite is true. For those who are fleeing God, they are becoming less and less of what God intended them to be. And I do think these things can be looked at historically, and I think they can be looked at sociologically and psychologically. That's why we do our social science apologetic segment with uh, Greg Popcheck every once in a while. I'm Al Creston. we got a lot more coming up. Stay with me. 